Well, another edition of the Horsing Around podcast, and for all intent and purposes, the last edition as far as meaningful play, meaningful playoff games, meaningful preseason games, where we'll actually see the starters play a little bit. Andrew Mason, Andy Lindahl, again with you and uh, Andrew. So as we record this on a Sunday night, most will consume it on a Monday morning, if not beyond. We're still in front of that last preseason game of the year. And we've got to talk about the results from what the Broncos had happen on Saturday night. But I've got to say, I don't remember a more devastating third preseason week than what we saw this weekend. Spencer Ware, likely out for the year, the great running back for the Chiefs. He's going to go get a second opinion. Boy, I bet you the Chiefs wish that Jamal Charles was still an option for them, uh, especially the way he ran on Saturday night. Julian Edelman down for the year with a knee injury. Um, Chicago lost a couple of guys. It was a tough week as far as losing guys for the year, and it's a shame to see in what is basically meaningless football. Yeah, Chicago losing a Cameron Meredith, who's really uh, the only receiver uh, that's proved that's proven something for them, uh, given the struggles of uh, Kevin White in recent years. That, that's a that's a devastating loss uh, for them, and I, you wonder. Uh, They've got a pretty good. They've got a pretty good position uh, on the waiver wire. On the waiver wire, so uh, you imagine that uh, they're they're going to probably uh, stalk that pretty heavily and um, and try to get some some guys there. But you wonder if they're not going to start looking at the trade market even in the next couple of days to get somebody more than just a guy who would be cut uh, off of someone's uh, off of someone's roster as they get down to fifty three next weekend because they. There's, uh, you know, that was an offense that lacked explosiveness to begin with, and you take merit, you take Meredith out of that, and I don't know what they're go- what they're going to do as far as targets for uh, for for Mike Glennon in the short term, and maybe Mitchell Trubisky in the long term. But then, you know, Edel- Edelman, I mean, that that's a tough blow for him, and and the, and if you look at, you take a real hard look at the Patriots' offensive efficiency numbers over the last couple of years, there's there is an impact to when Edelman's not out there. When he was down uh, late in the 2015 season, that offense did struggle down the stretch, and that, I think that was a big part of the reason why they faded uh, late in the year, and that uh, allowed the Broncos to kind of t- to come back and kind of sneak up and uh, and catch them at the end and get the number one seed. I think losing Edelman had a lot to do with that, but. Uh, you know they they trade for Brandon Cooks in the off season. I think that's going to allow them to overcome the loss of Julian Edelman. The the big one I think really might be uh, Spencer Ware. Quite quite frankly, and you're right. I think uh, I think the Chiefs might be looking longingly at uh, Jamal Charles and what he did Saturday night uh, for the Broncos in, in all areas of being a running back. Everything from you know what he did just as a traditional ball carrier, catching passes out of the backfield, and even keeping Trevor Simeon upright with some outstanding work in pass protection. There was one player, Max Garcia, uh, got got beat, got knocked out of the play, and it was Jamal Charles quickly quickly getting back in and, and, and getting his body on a blocker that allowed Trevor Simeon to escape really getting hit uh, on the play. You know, Charles just did a terrific job, and, uh, you know, we'll see how much he ends up playing in the regular season. But uh, you know, I think the Broncos feel pretty good about that pickup right now and the fact that he and, and C.J. Anderson can kind of spell each other and do and one can do everything the other can do. They feel pretty good about that right now. Okay, far be it for me then to suggest that we help the Patriots out at all. But it looks to me, a guy that I've kind of championed the cause of, as you well know, is Stephen Ridley. 
Looking at what Jamal Charles gave you the other night, and I'm assuming that his knee and body felt okay today, and that's going to be my assumption. I mean, Vance Joseph made it pretty clear after the game that he expects Jamal Charles, not expects, Jamal Charles is going to be on this roster. So with Charles and CJ and Booker, we learned last week from Coach Joseph that Booker's starting the year on the roster. They're not going to pup anybody. Now, I suppose that could change, but he sounded pretty definitive about the fact that they don't want to waste two or three games of availability for Devontae Booker if they don't have to. Uh, you've got D'Angelo Henderson, who's just been outstanding for this team, and maybe will even provide some of the things for them that Christian McCaffrey, we once upon a time thought maybe could provide. It seems to me with Andy Janovich all but a lock to make the roster as well uh, that you've basically got things kind of figured out at the running back position. I don't want to help the Patriots, as I said, but if you're going to cut Stephen Ridley anyway, are the Patriots a team that you call that maybe would value him and just try to do a deal and get some sort of late-round pick for him? Maybe, but at the same time, I think they would probably look at that and they would look at running backs around the league and, and look at the guys available and they may just simply say, okay, uh, we'll take our chances on the waiver wire. Because, you know, it, the Broncos aren't the only team that has a surplus of running backs and is probably going to cut at least one or two guys who can play. So I, I would think the Patriots. I, I would think at least for, for running back, uh, the Patriots will just kind of will will we'll stand pat. And I think, I mean, maybe you'd call them, but I, I don't think that they'd be willing to make a deal at their end. So then, let me throw this at you: with the injury to Spencer Ware, where does that leave the divisional matchup? We've seen all the all the work from the starters right now. How do you think the division possibly plays out now, uh, with Spencer Ware not being a part of the Chiefs' plans likely in 2017? Well, I, I I didn't like where the Chiefs were going to begin with, and I think you know part of it, um, you know, had you had the, the the injury to Derek Johnson coming off last year, kind of overshadowing some things. I th- I think at least for this particular run, for run this era of Chiefs football, I feel like I feel like their peak shot may have been last year, and the other thing I'm. You see, you see Patrick Mahomes out there, and he's got a long way to go, but he's shown just enough to where it looks like he he's going to be a very good future option for the Chiefs. But the reason why I bring that up is you're you're introducing a a, a potentially unstable element at least into the community and at least into the into home field advantage and maybe and maybe hurting your home field advantage because if Alex Smith struggles and there will be a game probably where Alex Smith goes out there and struggles and throws for 145 yards, there's going to be some Chiefs fans who are going to start calling for Patrick Mahomes, even though Mahomes is not ready. And it may not seep into the locker room, but certainly if you've got a situation where Alex Smith, anytime he struggles at home, Fans start grumbling and booing and start calling for calling for Mahomes. It's the kind of thing that can eventually gnaw at a team and uh, and and cause things to start to start crumbling away bit by bit by bit. It basically introduces an unstable element where one didn't exist. So I, I look at the Chiefs and you can see them. I can easily see them coming back to the pack a bit and. 
the, the schedule this year should end up being more difficult than their schedule was last year. So even before the Spencer Ware injury, I looked at the Nassau uh, 9-7 and seven perhaps, and maybe with the Ware injury now, you could be talking about a team that's a, that's uh, maybe even 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Now that being said, I look at the AFC West, and more and more I see a division where it could it, it could be uh, four teams very close to each other without one of the teams breaking away. And that could keep the Chiefs uh, and, and every team in it for, for quite a while. But I'm, I don't get a good feeling when I, when I watch the Chiefs right now. I don't see, it, I don't see a team that's uh, going to have the kind of season they had last year. All right, well, let's get to the matter at hand, and that's the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos so far um, looking, I thought, pretty good the other night. You know, the Green Bay Packers were a playoff team. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers didn't play a lot of snaps. It's funny. Andrew, maybe before we even dissect the game, I mean, we just aren't in an era where guys go into the third quarter anymore. The Broncos didn't do that with their guys, and I thought maybe the, at least the offense would. Vaughn Miller, thank God, got out of there as quickly as possible after his sack because he, you know, I've said it before, he's our Drew Brees, he's our Tom Brady, he's our Aaron Rodgers. He is that guy. Get him out of there. That's the one guy you got to have to make it all work on that defense. Um, and so it was funny to me, you know, I we talked to David Bakhtiari, uh, during the week because I know him from his CU days and he had told us ah, we're only going to go a couple of series you know um, we're not going to be in there very long and it held the form they weren't in there very long matter of fact they knew they weren't going to play uh, much at all because they went to the rookie dinner Now I do want to point out a, a picture of the receipt that David tweeted out made it around Twitter I was told that was a prank played on the rookies there was not that much alcohol ordered for those that were having a conniption fit I guess Aaron Rodgers did that to David Bakhtiari as a rookie, so David Bakhtiari returned it the favor to the rookies to make them want to throw up because, of course, they did it before anybody made the team, and therefore they were getting their camp stipend, and they did not have the money to pay that bill, so that was the joke. But anyway, it is amazing to me, Andrew, that we are in a time when you already don't see a lot of action during preseason, and now even the third preseason game, in my mind, isn't really all it's promised to be. Well, it was interesting. I was watching the 49ers uh, um, Vikings game uh, just now here on Sunday night. Now, Michaels and Chris Collins were having a conversation about uh, do you cut the preseason at some point? This was in regard to the injuries, but I, I think uh, you see Aaron Rodgers only playing two series in the third preseason game, which is you know, the one where you would expect uh, the first teamers to go deeper. And granted, oh, there were a fair amount of Packers first teamers that did play well into the second quarter, especially on the defensive side. So it wasn't like they pulled every guy out, but they weren't going to go with Rogers very long. And I remember uh, the moment uh, uh, Von Miller got that, got the sack of Aaron Rogers in the first quarter. I thought to myself, well, uh, I, you know, I don't know if we'll see either of them. They actually did see Von Miller for, you know, just a brief, brief moment after that. And then that, and then that was, that was the end of it. But yeah, it's, I don't know if it changes coming anytime soon to the preseason in terms of the number of games. It may be something that has to wait until after the new CBA in uh, 2021 and uh, whatever takes place to try to get to that. You know, whatever, if there's a work stoppage and whatever ends up happening, that's something that will, you know, that's going to have to be dealt with at the appropriate time. It's being, there's some saber rattling going on, but, uh, you know, I don't think now is the appropriate time to really get into that. But uh, it's the preseason format. It's definitely at 
minimum, it's got some issues, and you can probably say it's at least in its current four-game format, it's out, it's outliving its usefulness. And I think this Thursday night, when there's one cut, ninety to fifty-three within within forty-eight hours of the preseason finale, and we've seen in past years where about anywhere from 22 to 30 to 33, 35 guys uh, don't suit up for the preseason or they suit up, but they don't play in the preseason finale. Well, now that you've got the full 90 available, how many guys don't play this preseason finale? Do you sit every guy that's going to be on the fifth that you know is going to be on the 53? So does that mean basically everyone playing in this game is either on the, is either one of those guys on the ro- those those guys on the roster bubble, those guys that are maybe in those last five spots, or is not, or will not make the team altogether. And if that's the case, I mean, hey, it's a cool thing that uh, you know those guys that are going to be released get another chance to put stuff on film for the rest of the league to, the, to see, or even teams in the CFL to see if they're looking at them in a, in a subsequent year. But is that a reason to, ha- to continue having that game beyond, of course, the fact that it does uh, makes, make quite a bit of money in terms of uh, ticket sales and whatnot? So this is something that I think it's going to have to be re- revisited and dealt with because you hear often about how the NFL, you know, if the product is not of a quality that it likes, that they'll review it and figure and try to find make ways to make it and whether it's the preseason finale, however that's going to look on Thursday night, or the third preseason game where Aaron Rodgers only plays a couple of series, or if you're a Green if you're a Green Bay fan at home, you won't see Aaron Rodgers take a snap in the preseason because your home games were week one and week four of the preseason. So Rodgers isn't playing at all in week four, and he didn't play at all in week one. That was in, that they started that game with Brett Hundley. So is the Packer is is Joe Packers fan in you know in Appleton, Wisconsin, driving twenty five miles for the game? Is he getting is he is he your Janice Packers fan from you know from Sheboygan? Is she getting her money's worth out of going to a preseason game? Is that the kind of product the NFL wants, where starters are sitting are starters are sitting on mass and for and most of the preseason is played by by, by backups? It's something they're going to have to look at at some point. Yeah, I got to be honest. With you, even though Chris Harris told us before the Niner week he hated it, my I would rather. I think the teams ought to just get together, have two or three practice weeks with certain teams, play a couple of games at best, and call it good. Because it is a shame to see guys that matter get hurt. It's a shame to see a guy get hurt. Period. But it's just getting to the point where it makes you sick. And you know what? These are two teams that may be in the Broncos way later in the year, and I get that. But I don't care. It makes me sick to think that a Julian Edelman and a Spencer Ware, you know, gave up their knees for the sake of practice football when it didn't really need to happen. In a time when these guys have to report a certain amount, you know, on and on and on. Uh, they're always in shape. We've always heard it. Training camp itself, I don't even know why we call it training camp anymore. They're not it's not really training camp. It's not really what it used to be. And that's okay. I'm not griping about that. I'm not trying to be the you know, guy watering his lawn, yelling at the kids and hiking up, walking both ways uphill to school and so on and so forth. I just think it's time we all accept that how we get ready for a season is different and it's okay to maybe call it something else. It's okay to 
to maybe just expect and, and 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 do things differently because this is not what it used to be. And to me, I mean, Andrew, you were out there. I think the Broncos might have got more quality work done in the practices than they actually did in the game against San Francisco and maybe more of that versus actual games. At least if you're in a practice, for the most part, it's a controlled environment and you don't have to go to the ground. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, controlled environment. Now, you can't ever take the injury risk down to zero. Let's just say that. For I know some may be listening and say, well, guys get hurt in practice. Of course they do. That's part of it. What we're talking about is is there a way, you know, can you minimize the injury risk? Can you reduce it? And certainly you can because you do have the controlled environment where you can say, okay, you're not tackling to the ground here. And and maybe it is two preseason games plus another couple of weeks where you're working with teams and they end with scrimmages and they end with scrimmages. And, you know, maybe there's ways you can do that to kind of, you know, you can turn, you can maybe turn these things into, opportunities i mean for example i mean let's let's say you've got practices hypothetically speak let's say instead of the packers coming out here for a game they're coming out here for three days for two days of practice and then they're going to have say a scrimmage type of a scrimmage type of day you know where it's you know 30 you know 36 snaps similar to what, what, what they had uh couple of Saturdays ago or three Saturdays ago back at the Broncos headquarters well what you could do that but maybe you could take the scrimmage to Sports Authority Field or maybe you could take the scrimmage up to Boulder or Fort Collins to the new stadium at CSU you could do some or down to the Springs to Air Force Stadium you could do something different and you can have have a little fun have a little fun with it turn it to even turn that into an event that isn't a preseason game but maybe has something different and creates a different kind of of cachet you've got to think out you know there's there's ways to think outside the box and turn something like this the loss of a game that may frustrate some some people and turn it into an opportunity for everybody well it's certainly going to be something to be talked about as you said speaking of things to be talked about let's talk about what we witnessed at sports authority field on Saturday night, which was to me an offense that at times showed you what happens when you don't name your quarterback till later into camp. The timing wasn't all the way there. Emmanuel Sanders and Trevor, I think, are still trying to work some things out specifically on a few routes. Boy, I feel like Jordan Taylor's a guy that just seems to be kind of the security blanket at times for uh, Trevor Simeon. For those that missed it, Demarius Thomas, Zach Kerr, both had their issues. Uh, they left the game. Both did not return. Hopefully both will be okay. Thomas was a groin. I believe Kerr was a knee. Hopefully everything yeah. is fine for both guys. It didn't look like anything was long-term for either. It just looked like one of those scares that makes you decide a guy's, you know, evening is done. Um, overall, what were your thoughts of what we saw in that third preseason game? The offense had some great flashes. They also had some slow moments. And the defense, to me, well, they look like our defense. What did you think? Yeah, well, I'll start with Zach Kirk because I talked to him after the game, and you know he was just waiting for kind of the all clear from uh, any subsequent examinations. But he felt like he was going to come out okay, and he felt like it was more precautionary that he even could have gone back in if it was the regular season or playoffs, and it had really been and really been necessary. So hopefully, uh, his his belief will be confirmed, and uh, you know because you know, the Broncos need him with all the injuries they've had on defense. I mean, it was. 
you know, more, really, really more of the same. I mean, you, you're a little bit healthier. You had you had Von Miller with a with a with a sack, and also good pass rushes. To, Outstanding spin move to get the sack on Rogers that uh, uh, knocked them back on on a third down. Uh, good 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 pressure. I mean, I think the run the run defense wasn't quite as good as it was last week, but it, set, it settled down after uh, a big early run uh, that that they gave up to, t- to Ty Montgomery. Um, I thought I thought Adam Gonsis was solid for a second week in a row, which is huge. I mean, if you know. If this defense is going to work, you've got to get uh, good rotational production. I think Gossis is there. I think Gossis has shown that. I think Shelby Harris at this point, he's probably, in my opinion, he's played his way onto the roster. Three sacks just keeps making plays. I mean, you were, you were, you were seeing it early in training camp. You were seeing it in the one-on-ones and then in some of the team periods that he was flashing and getting into the backfield repeatedly and pulling up some plays. And he's taken it to the preseason games two consecutive strong weeks in a row. So a lot to like on defense. Interesting thing, Andy, when you go back and look at the first team defense, which of course was absent quite a few starters for a good chunk of the of the preseason. First team defense had nine possessions, gave up ten points, and uh, seven of those were on a two yard drive that came after the interception yesterday. I'd say it looks ready. All right. Well, what about the offense? Because I'll tell you what, at times they haven't had the push on third and short that they wanted. And then there's times like the touchdown run to CJ where I, this just I like this run game I like this scheme and I like the way these backs and line are starting to come together a little bit. That touchdown was a thing of beauty. That was probably that was in my opinion the most well executed play of the preseason as a collective in terms of having the offensive line working together. You've got Matt Paradis delivering a good block. You've got, you've got, uh, Max Garcia delivering a good block. You've got Emmanuel Sanders, uh, you know, downfield kind of finishing things off. You've got, you, you've got, uh, uh, Menelik Watson sealing the right edge and all CJ Anderson has to do is go from point A to point B. I mean, it could, could not be easier, uh, for a running back because of all the work being done around him and that's something we saw so rarely and it's but it's not just runs like that the, the thing that one of the things the broncos are doing very well is they're getting the solid runs that keep you on schedule last year uh they had one of the worst rates in the league of runs that covered at least five yards and this year in, in the preseason uh they've got they're they're averaging uh one of those one of those runs about every uh uh, or actually less than every two and a half times they they carry they carry the football that means you're gonna that means you're gonna have the runs that keep that, that keep the offense humming keep keep it moving down the field and also force opponents to, to play you honest and uh, and not sell everything out to go against the pass they've got to account for the run it brings the play action into, in, into play down the line just everything in the running game right now appears to be clicking and I think the one thing that you can that if you're a Broncos fan you look at and you draw a lot of confidence from is that even with all these new players on the offensive line if they start if they start Allen Barber you could be you're looking at 80% newcomers on the on the starting offensive line and if they start Garcia still at 60% newcomers on the O-line but even with all that they've got good chemistry in terms of the run the run blocking the pass protection i think it's going to come in time i think they're going to get better at that but the run blocking and and the cohesion it looks like it's already 
there and the running and with CJ Anderson and Jamal Charles in particular, two experienced running backs who know how to find the holes and get from A to B. You're in good shape with with those two, and it looks like at least in the early going of the season, the running game could be carrying this. Well, it's going to be a lot of exciting. It's going to be a lot of. Uh, it's going to be exciting to watch. Is what I'm trying to say. Hey, let's wrap it up on this, and hopefully we'll know more when we give you another podcast Friday before the Labor Day weekend. But Paxton Lynch, any update on him? And does this mean Sloter's on the roster for you? What What do you think happens here? Well, I haven't heard any update. I imagine we're going to hear something Monday uh, when Vance Joseph meets the press. I mean, the, the, the initial thing was a, the right shoulder bruise, but you don't really know until you see uh, the MRI and get the full examination. Now, the thing, I mean, obviously, Kyle Sloter, is he on the 53? Uh, let's say Pat, let's say the MRI reveals something and, and Paxton Lynch is out for a few weeks. Do you feel comfortable as Kyle Sloter being the only relief option, or do you have to go out and go find a veteran who can uh, who can step in the pinch? So the degree of Paxton Lynch's injury may actually have some effect on the roster construction because if you have to go find a veteran just as an as an insurance policy, then all of a sudden you're faced with a, maybe having to cut somebody that you weren't planning on cutting because you have to use another roster spot for a third quarterback. Ah, decisions, decisions. Hopefully that's not what ends up happening. All right, Andrew, like I said, we'll do our best to get things wrapped up after what we watch on Thursday night and give everybody a fresh podcast to sail into Labor Day weekend with. And then, of course, after Labor Day, it's all about the real games, finally, as the Broncos will play the fat, the last one on the schedule that opening weekend, the second Monday nighter, coming up on 9-11. That'll do it for us on Horse and Around, the Horse and Around podcast. We'll talk to you very soon here on DenverBroncos.com.